matter how hard we work in our best efforts, we'll never be able to pay off that debt, and God knew it. And he so loved the world that what did he do? He came and gave Jesus, who paid the price of our sin on the cross. He took the penalty of our indebtedness and pronounced us not guilty and free. Why is it so hard to let go? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. It's been said that God will remove the wrong thing to make room for the right thing. So why do so many of us cling to what God is trying to remove? Today, David uses the story of Elisha to illustrate God's great provision in a message called Relinquishment. Then Obadiah dies, and his widow is left with nothing except two boys and a huge debt. She was in a bind. She couldn't pay off this debt. Plus, according to Jewish law in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 39, that if someone can't pay off a debt, the boys in the family, the sons in the family can be conscripted to work as slaves until the debt is paid off. So that's what's happening with this woman. She's fearful of her life. She's fearful of her sons. And she's thinking, oh, I've lost my husband. I'm about to lose my two boys. I'm going to be left alone with nothing except a huge indebtedness. By the way, for those of you who are concerned about the contemporary issue of sex trafficking, which is huge all over the world, this is one of the major ways sex trafficking happens today. Families go into debt, and the moms and the dads actually sell their kids into sex slavery to pay off their debts. This is an issue of yesterday. It's an issue of today, too. So what does she do? She turns to Elisha for help because she knows the problem of debt. The Bible speaks about it a lot. For example, Proverbs 22, 7. Would you read this verse with me? The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is, what? The slave of the lender. Isn't it true? For those of you who have great debt, you know you're a slave. You're a slave to the bank that holds your loan. And if the Lord God of hosts asks you to do something with money that he's given to you, you'd first have to go to the God of debt and ask permission before you can obey the Lord God of hosts. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Paul says, don't have any debt. If you've got any debt, owe somebody a debt of love. Let your love be so profound that that's what you owe somebody else. Because if you owe people great debtedness monetarily, you are a slave to them. Interestingly, in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, as the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land, God instructs Moses to give them particularly obedient uh, uh, commands to obedience so that they can be free. In Deuteronomy 27, God says, make sure you obey my law and do things my way, because if not, you will become a debtor nation. And if you're a debtor nation, you'll be a slave to other nations. And on the other hand, he says in Deuteronomy 28, if you'll obey my law and do things my way, you'll not have that debt and you'll always be a lender nation. Let me ask you a question. Nationally, which is better, to be a lender nation or a debtor nation? 
Yeah, lender nation, because then you control your future. America, within the last 30 to 40 years, has moved from the world's greatest lender nation to now being the world's greatest debtor nation. And by the way, the debt load nationally is only a reflection of what's going on in our homes individually. We put up with the debt ourselves, so we put up with it nationally. But let me ask you the question. Do you really want me to go here? We keep electing these people. We keep electing people who continue to put us day after day, month after month, year after year in a greater debtor nation position. Why do we do this? We're slaves to China particularly. And the ultimate responsibility rests upon we the people, the voters. Do we really care? The widow cared. She knew the problem of debt. So she cried out to Elisha. And interestingly, that word cried out means moan, weep, shudder in grief. That's what all of us need to do who are in debt. And our nation, too. We need to moan and shudder in grief over the problem of debt in our lives. So that's the problem. And here's the plan. Verses 2 through 5, personal responsibility. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, well, go outside, borrow vessels from all of your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all of these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured and they brought the vessels to her and the vessels were full as long as she kept presenting the oil to the vessels. So the first thing that Elisha does with the woman, he asks the question, what do you have in the home? If you're going to deal with the debt problem, the first thing you have to do is look at your assets. And too many people grieve over what they've lost in life instead of looking at what they still have. I love the story of Robert Shuler, the famous televangelist. When he was a little boy, he was with his family in the Midwest and a tornado ripped through his home. His father hid his family in the storm shelter. Finally, they came out, saw their house raised to the ground. Robert Shuler tells how he started to cry at the loss of his home. And his dad put his arms around his son. He said, son, don't ever grieve over what you've lost. Always look at what you still have. Elisha's first question, don't look at what you've lost. Let's look at what you still have. Her answer, I have one small pot of oil. Now, some of you are thinking, like last week with the widow at Zarephath, that this must be cooking oil because she had the one small vial of flour, the one vial of oil, and she gave that one cake made from that vial of oil and flour to Elijah, and then God provided the rest for her until the rains started to come. I don't think this is a vial of cooking oil. I think this is a pot of valuable perfume. Like Mary broke over the feet and head of Jesus something worth for her six months salary. I think she kept this in a hidden place for one reason. She knew that the debt load was so huge and her problems so severe that she probably was going to die soon. And she wanted this small vial of perfume oil to anoint her body, her dead body, and the bodies of her two sons with this oil. It was the only valuable thing in her life. 
And Elisha says, here's what I want you to do. Take action. Take responsibility. Folks, let me tell you something. If you do nothing, your debt problem will stay the same. Elisha says, take responsibility. Look at the action verbs. Go, borrow, pour out. She had to go borrow vessels from her neighbors. Why? She'd had to sell her own in order simply to make ends meet. She had nothing in the house whatsoever. And can you imagine what it must have been like for her to knock on her neighbor's doors and say, um, I can't explain this. May I borrow as many vessels as you can give me? And she did. She took action. And it's so key if you want to solve the debt problem in your life. So she gathered all the utensils that she could, put them in her house, and then the text says she went in and shut the door. She got alone with God. She dealt with the Lord one-on-one. And it's much like Elijah last week at the brook Cherith, after God called him to do what he was supposed to do in confronting Ahab and Jezebel. First, God took him to a place where he dealt one-on-one with Elijah. Folks, if you're going to deal with your debt problem or any problem in your life, you've got to take times to get alone with God and hear his voice, his guidance for what he wants you to do. That's what happened with the widow. She went away. She shut the door. And it was just she and God wrestling with this problem that she had, trying to hear his desire for her life. So the plan, personal responsibility, take control of this debt problem, Elisha said. Third act, the provision from God himself, verse 6. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. Then the oil stopped flowing. She took her oil, that one small vial that she had, and she poured it into one of the vessels she'd gathered from her neighbors. And then she poured into another and into another and into another. The oil in her vial lasted as long as there was an empty vessel in her house. Do you see what happened here? There was no limit to the amount of oil God would give her except for the number of vessels she possessed. God was able to give to her exceedingly and abundantly beyond what she'd ever hoped for or imagined, but he was limited by the amount of vessels she gave to God. A little girl went into a candy store. She knew the candy store owner. He really loved her. He said, honey, here, took off the jars top. Here's the candy. Put your little hand in there. Take as much as you want with a big handful. She just stood there. He said, come on, honey, just, just take as much as you want. One big handful. It's all yours, free of charge. She just stood there. He said, come on now, please. She just stood there. He finally chucks it. Okay, I'll do it for you. Reached his hand in, took a big old amount of candy and gave it to her. She walked out. Mom said, honey, why didn't you go ahead and put your hand in there and get the candy when he first asked you to? She said, that's easy, Mom. His hand is bigger than mine. (laughs) Dear friends, God's hand is bigger than yours. The amount of blessing he wants to give you is dependent upon the faith of the vessels you put before him. He's willing to fill them up. He's willing to give you his provision if you'll believe that his hand is bigger than yours. The provision was given to the woman 
Let me ask you a question. Do, do you trust the lottery to provide for you? Do you trust the stock market to provide for you? Do you trust your workability in the workplace to provide for you? Or do you trust the big hand of Almighty God to provide for you? Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ever hope for or imagine ourselves. And then finally, there is the purpose. It's financial freedom for this woman and generosity too. Look at verse 7. She came and told the man of God and said, go, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. She went to Elisha. I bet going, you're not going to believe what happened. And Elisha goes, yes, I do. I told you to do it. Now, go and sell all of these vessels filled with oil. Imagine it being very valuable oil. It will pay off your debt, which I would guess was a huge debt. Obadiah trying to oversee a hundred hidden prophets, go pay off that debt, and you and your boys will have enough to live on. Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He said it, folks, I didn't. What God wants all of us to learn is to get out of debt so that we can have his resources that he gives to us to be given away in generosity. It's more blessed, it's more fun to give than to receive. In fact, God's the biggest giver in the universe. Look at all he's given us, this planet, this life, the blessings we have. But most importantly, look at our salvation through Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what, folks? He gave his only son. God's a giver. And we're never more like God than when we're participating in the ability to give. But we can't give anything away if we're bound by the debt monster. What's this message about? This message is a, is a heartbeat of mine to you to encourage you to get out of debt so that you can be generous. So how does that happen? Well, the first thing you got to do is give your life to Jesus Christ. Are you aware that in our immorality and our disobedience to God's moral law, we have accumulated a huge debt against God? We owe God a huge debt for our rebellion against him. It's a billion-dollar debt, and none of us can repay it. No matter how hard we work in our best efforts, we'll never be able to pay off that debt, and God knew it. And he so loved the world that what did he do? He came and gave Jesus, who paid the price of our sin on the cross. He paid it all. He took the penalty of our indebtedness upon himself and pronounced us not guilty and free. Listen to this. The only person who can pay off our debt is the person to whom we owe the debt. No person can forgive us unless we owe that person our indebtedness. We owe God this huge indebtedness, yet he paid it all for us through Jesus. And now we're free. So that's the first place you've got to begin. God owns everything in this world. He owns our lives. He owns everything that comes to us in possessions. The next step, though, is you've got to declare war against debt. You've got to repent of the debt problem. Folks, for every $10 we spend on debt in America, we spend $1 on causes of charity. The average American Christian gives 2% of his or her income away. Why? It's because of the debt problem. We owe so much money, we've got to go to the debt God before we can give God what he wants. So you've got to declare war of it and repent of debt. You've got to say no more. You've got to take action. Be responsible because, again, if you don't do something, it'll never get done. The next step, I think, is to 
Immediately give your first fruits away. And this is illogical. It doesn't make sense. But this is what the Bible teaches. When the Israelites entered into the promised land, God instructed Moses in Deuteronomy 14 to tell the people, I want the first fruits. And the tithe is 10% off the top that you give to the Lord and his church, his ministry. That's where it begins. And, and Deuteronomy 14, 23 says that the proof that you have placed God first in your life is the tithe. The question, do you pay your house bills, your car bills, your clothing bills, and then give God the leftovers? How can you expect God to bless that kind of lifestyle? But the tithe, the first check that's written every month, Marilyn and I have done this for 35 years, goes to the Lord and his work in the church. And, and we believe that God then provides as we give him the first fruits. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The first fruits off the top go to him. And then miraculously, you watch God supply. Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says, give the tithe to the Lord, the storehouse, and then watch the windows of heaven open up miraculously. My heart's for you to learn how to be debt-free and to be generous. Next step, don't incur any new debt. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And finally, if you're taking these steps, giving your life to God, repenting of debt, eliminating debt, and then you can rest assured you can start seeing God miraculously fill your vessels. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about the most powerful force in the universe, a praying mom. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up all the meals were shipped to the dream center 
with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return and harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being here as well. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote about the power of a praying mom. Will you elaborate on that for us? I will, because I believe with all of my heart, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Uh, I believe there's nothing more powerful than the love of a mom, but also Mm -hmm. the love of a mom being expressed in prayer. You know, Jesus said in Matthew's 7, 7 through 11, that we are to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. It's in the imperfect tense, which implies keep on praying, keep on asking. And as you do so, God eventually does answer your prayers. So I want to encourage all moms here today to practice the power of prayer. There's nothing more powerful in the universe Hmm. than the prayers of a mom. Well, I love this, and I am personally encouraged by this. And I've been encouraged by a story you've shared about about Maryland's effective prayers for Michael, I think. (laughs) Well, Michael was just a little boy. He couldn't have been more than two years of age. And we noticed that one of his sinuses had become terribly inflamed, and there was a constant sinus drippage there. Uh, Maryland took him to the doctors. They couldn't find anything wrong. They encouraged Maryland to give some antibiotics and just to help that thing heal up naturally. But it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh, So Maryland got to the point where she was actually having to keep him inside, worrying if there were allergies or something else going on. One day, though, she said, I've got to give the kids some outside time. And so Michael went outside, came back in, and in his hands, he was holding the back of, you know, Jim, I'm talking about those pins, lapel pins mm-hmm. you put in in the back of them, you put them on to keep them on your lapel. Yes. Well, he had the back of one of those pins in his hands. And Marilyn looked at him and said, Michael, where did you get that? And he kind of pointed to his nose. He'd gone outside and it just slowly but surely worked itself out. And what we found out was Michael had walked upstairs into his big brother's bedroom and climbed up to his pen different display that he had on his wall from different basketball (laughs) events he'd been to and taken one out and stuffed it up his nose. As you do. (laughs) What people don't realize in that story is Marilyn had spent incessant hours praying and fasting for God to heal Michael and to bring out what was necessary for us to know in order for him to be healed. Mm. And when he came in with that cap, that little pin cap, Marilyn looked at it and took it and reminded herself of Jesus' statement, some of these only come out by prayer and fasting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so true. we laughed to this day thinking that it was her prayers and fasting that brought that pin head out. Later, we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, if you'd left that up there much longer, it could have gotten into his nasal cavity and could have caused brain bleeding and his ultimate death. So wow. it's an example of the yeah. power of a mama's prayer and fasting for kids. Wow, that is so powerful and encouraging. It makes me want to go hit my knees to the floor and pray for my kids into their future. It's really good. Well, it is true. And and I remind people, too, of Monica, the mom of St. Augustine, who was a philanderer in the early church. She kept praying for her son to come to faith. Finally, he did, and he became the greatest theologian in the history of the church, again, through the prayers of a praying mom. So never give up on your kids. Never give up on God going after them. 
Thank you, Jen. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> and all of you who'd like to receive my daily e-blast, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. It's free of charge, a gift from my heart to yours to help your day begin with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for unity in our city.